thankful that a bird has been rolled away. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord and really give him an offering of praise tonight. Man, why don't you take a moment and turn and greet someone near you and smile. Tell them I have the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. At the cross. At the cross. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. What a great night to be in the house of the Lord. So thankful for this midweek break where we can come together and uh, give thanks to the Lord for his keeping power. Anybody thankful that you know the Lord tonight? Amen. The longer I live in this world, the more I am thankful that I know him. Amen. And that I know him and the power of his resurrection. Amen. I know something about his ability to raise us up no matter what circumstances we may be facing. The power of God is able to give life amid even the tragic circumstances of our present day. I pray that you will continue to be in prayer. We have prayer uh, going on around our church on many and multiple occasions. I would certainly pray that you would avail yourself of that. If you have not, we have Tuesday morning at 6, Thursday morning at 6, Saturday evening at 7. Surely you could spend a little bit of time this week talking to the Lord about your church. How many of you love your church? Amen. Are you thankful for where God has brought us? Amen. Let's praise Him for that tonight. I want to take you tonight for just a few moments to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. I must confess that Philippians is one of my favorite portions of Scripture. I have read it multiple times and I continue to read it, and every time I do, I receive a fresh inspiration. Uh, Paul writing to the Philippian church about how to live this Christian life, this life of abundance, and that is to live with joy. I learned a long time ago that happiness in my life was determined by circumstances, what happens to me. But joy is something that I choose to live with and in every day of my life. And you and I have a choice tonight how we're going to live. And I choose to live joyfully. I'm thankful every day. I want to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And I love how it goes on to say, and be thankful. You know, it's... I've lived long enough to know that you can say things from your mouth that you don't really mean from your heart. You can call.
compliment somebody and not really mean it, just trying to be nice. But when you, when you use that statement, be thankful, that is a state of being. That is a condition of your life. You've moved beyond just saying it to actually living it. I think one of the things that this hour has revealed to me as a pastor is that we do not have as deep a spiritual life as we ought to have. And God is giving us an opportunity to dig a little deeper. And the circumstances that we are living through right now are an opportunity for God's light to shine in us. Philippians chapter 4. I would love to read the whole chapter, but... I don't want to keep you standing that long. Some of you might pass out if we went that long. I'm going to let you be seated just a moment. But I want you to look with me at verse number 12 and 13. I'm going to read from the King James Version first, and then they're going to throw up on the screen the Passion Translation. But your King James Version, most of you probably have that version in your Bible He said, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now let's read it from the Passion. He said, I know what it means to lack and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. I hope you got that. For I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things. For a few moments tonight, I want to talk to you about a transforming truth. A transforming truth. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Is it me or has anyone else in this congregation thought recently Or had the thought cross your mind, I sure could use a little good news today. There is such an onslaught of bad news and it seems like bad news travels quicker than good news. It is a paradox to me, but we humans have a propensity and a tendency to bring to believe the worst before we believe the best. You can hear something about somebody that kind of shocks you, and before you even uh, take time to investigate it, you believe it. 
and you sometimes start acting toward them in a way that is contrary to how you ought to act as a child of God simply because somebody said something to you that that they think is true, but it's not necessarily true. And we are bombarded every day, surrounded by things that have a way of prejudicing us to the reality of what God would want to say in our lives. And there is not much good news today. I am first to admit that. We're daily bombarded by the evils that surround us and we are made aware, I hope that we are made aware that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We need to get back to that kind of living. We live in troubling times and every day brings new stresses and new troubles and new worries and new anxieties, and new sorrows, and new sadness, and sometimes even new setbacks. Whether it be the stock market, or the grocery store, or the gas pump. Anybody gotten any sticker shock lately? Or tick, uh, uh, sticker shock, you know what I'm talking about. When you go in and you think you're supposed to be paying $2 for something, and you, It's $4.95 now. I just out of curiosity just wondered what happened. I drove by the filling station the other day. You know what that is, don't you? A filling station. I'm dating myself. Drove by the gas station just out of curiosity just to see what was happening. And uh, I didn't need uh, any fuel, but... I just want to find out. I drove by one day and it was four oh nine a gallon for diesel. The next morning I decided to drive back by there. And overnight it had gone from four oh nine to four fifty nine. Today I went by there, it was four eighty nine. <clears throat> Those things uh, do have a way of affecting uh how we view life. And how are we going to make it when Things seem to be skyrocketing on every hand and we have such incompetence uh, in our nation right now, not just Democratic or Republican, but across the board. We don't seem to know how to right the ship. And the reason we don't know how to right the ship is because we have forgotten the one that ordered the ship. And we have turned our back on the one that gave us the right to live and be and do what we are doing. And I think today is a good day for the church to wake up and realize that we are not here without purpose. And there is an opportunity in this hour for you and I to display the grace and the power and the God who, who we serve on a daily basis, we have the opportunity of telling the world there is something worth living for right now. Amen. There is a feeling of inadequacy and there is a feeling of lack and there is a sense of frustration and failure that seems to rise with every day because we don't know what to do. And all of the unrest and 
Certainly the confusion and conflict of this hour, a child of God understands that it is symptomatic of the times. This is the end of time and the word predicted that our world would be in this kind of shape. I just don't think any of us realize just how bad that shape would be. And yet we are seeing it on every hand. I want to give you some good news tonight. Amen. I, I want you to leave here with some good news. I, I want to share with you the secret to joy and peace and contentment and where they are found in this hour and where you can go to discover those things. And I will hopefully share that with you from Paul's writing. The Apostle Paul is truly an amazing character in Scripture. He is one of the most gifted uh, of men uh, that, that Scripture records. Uh, there is something about Paul that is tenacious and steady and perseverant and persistent. And yet despite... All of the forbidding and fearsome difficulties that he faced in his life, he carried on. He continued. He was pressed beyond measure. He made the statement in one writing. He was beaten with rods many times. And he was shipwrecked. And yet, none of those things that happened to him ever jaundiced his view of God. Or his relationship with God. Somehow through what Paul endured. He learned something. But more importantly he was initiated into something. Paul's closing words here in the book of Philippians. Were not supposed to put the church that he was writing to on a guilt trip. And if you read the previous verse. Paul makes that clear to them. I'm not saying what I'm about to say to you so you, you get this guilt trip that you've not been doing your job and taking care of me. He said, I'm not saying these things because you have failed in your care of me and I'm not saying them because I feel neglected or I feel like you haven't paid attention to me. I'm not saying them because I'm complaining about where life has brought me. I'm not saying this because I have need of something. I'm saying this so that I can share with you something that has sustained me no matter where life has taken me. No matter where life may find me. And I am saying this not because I am some super spiritual, superhuman person. But I am saying this because I want you to discover what I have discovered. And he gives us the secret of his perseverance. And I love Paul's choice of words. When you read Paul, you have to read carefully. And if you would throw that chat verse back up on, the, on verse 12 in the King James Version. He said, I have learned in whatsoever things to be content. I, I have learned in what I have gone through and endured. And then the next verse, 
He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. How did he do that? Because of what he had learned. But more importantly, what verse 11 says, he said, I have been instructed. The difference between learning something and being instructed. Instruction takes you to a level beyond learning. It's not just head knowledge. It becomes personal experience. The word that Paul actually used there, I think this is the only time in the New Testament that he uses the word, but it actually means that you have initiated me in something. Now when I read that, I I thought, God, how, how many times have you through the things that we are called to live through been trying to take our knowledge of you to a deeper level and initiate us into the true realm of what it means to be a child of God. Because there's a lot of people that sit on church pews that know a lot about God, but they don't really know God. My oldest brother, well, my older brother, I won't tell you which one, but uh, he, he, did, he hadn't always lived for God, wasn't always in the church. And when he was a young teenager and in his early adult years, he was, uh, the only way I know how to describe it, he was a cocky banny rooster. He was a smart aleck. And he had a vocabulary of swear words that would turn your face red. Now, I'm not saying this to embarrass him. I'm just saying. But he was also a man that knew a lot about the Bible. And he could debate the best people on jobs or anywhere else that would bring up a subject about the Godhead or about holiness or truth or whatever and he could he could read them the word but his life did not reflect anything he was saying you know what makes our witness powerful it's not what we say it's how we live and paul is trying to help a philippian church Understand who was going through great persecution and great trouble and great problems. He was trying to help them understand. It's really not what you know that's going to touch the world. It's how you live what you know that's going to make a difference in the world in which you live. And I'm just telling you, Greater Life Church, the world doesn't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And until we can translate what we say into what we do, the world isn't going to be interested in what we've got to say. And so Paul is trying to help them understand their I have not just learned something, I have been initiated into something. Now, I was just trying to figure out what, what it means to be initiated. Anybody been through, anybody, when you were a young kid, you ever join any clubs that you had to be initiated into? What did that mean? That meant you were going to have to go through some stuff to prove your merit. And some of the things that they 
initiated you with. I mean, even now, there's a lot of groups of people that in order for you to be a member of that group, you have to go through a, a rite of initiation. You've got to not just learn the things about them, but you've got to be able to live the things that you've learned about them. And so Paul said that in my experience in living for God, God has enabled me to translate what I know into what I do. And what I do and how I live is the direct outcome of what I know. And it's letting the world see that there is something to living for God and serving Him and being a servant of His that God wants to make a difference in your life every day, every day. But it doesn't matter what you know if it's never translated into how you live. And so he uses the word learned and instructed. He said, I have been initiated into the school of overcomers. So how do you get initiated into a school of overcomers? You obviously have to overcome. It, it insinuates that you're going to face things that are going to prove those things that you say. That you're going to have to live out what you have confessed. That when you have been initiated, that you have gone through a rite of passage so that it has moved from your head into your heart and your being. And every day that you live, there's a glimpse of that in the way you act, in the way you talk, in the way you react, in the way that you treat other people. I have been initiated. You know what I believe that God may be trying to do in this hour is help get some of us from the knowledge level of him to initiate into us knowing him in the power of his resurrection. The word know is a very powerful word in scripture. It's not talking about just a head knowledge. It's a word that means an intimate knowledge of relationship. It means you've entered into a deeper level of relationship than just knowing words or thoughts or precepts, but they have been incorporated into your life and now they are a part of you to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. If I'm going to know him in those places, then I'm going to have to live through those places. Amen. Learning is not the same as being instructed. And life is going to teach you some things if you're paying attention. Life is going to teach you if you're paying attention. But if you do not pay attention, what life tries to teach you is never translated into a better life. But I continually go through the same cycle 
and the same repeat of things in my life. And what I have learned in living life is that the key to my victory is how I respond to the things that happen to me. I cannot predict what's going to happen and I do not get to choose what's going to happen. But I do have a choice in how I respond to what is happening to me in my life. What was there about Paul that makes the things that oftentimes are hard for us to bear seem so easy for him to live through? Nothing is really easy. But because truth had been translated into shoe leather, it had been made part of his everyday life, that he learned some things and he was instructed, he was initiated into this right of the overcomer. We know that from what Paul is saying, that what he is discussing is more than just a strength of character. You know, some people have the opinion that, well, it's easy for them to live for God. They don't have to face the things I have to face. And there's other people that seem to think, well, you know, they just have the personality for that. And we try to excuse ourselves because, well, they have the personality for it. I don't have that personality, so it's a real work for me to live for God. The reality is it's a work for everybody to live for God. Because there's a fleshly body that is constantly working against what God is trying to work into my life. Amen. And so what Paul is talking about was not something that was just a characteristic of his personality or his temperament. But he had acquired something. He had bought into something. He had taken what God had given him in the promises and he turned them into precepts in which he would live his life and he had acquired something that had enabled him to rise above any and every circumstance of opposition or unfriendliness or hatred or bigotry or success. It didn't matter. I have learned how to abound. I've learned how to prosper. All of the inward irritations which perplex and assail him had not distorted his view of God and his view of life. He had learned the secret of a transformed life. More importantly... He had learned a secret that transformed everything that happened to him. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. Punch your neighbor and say, wake up. Everything. 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 What is the thing that makes man content when everything else around him is contrary to what His feelings are telling him. What is it about a man that is content to go on? 
that is satisfied that he is still in the will of God and in the line of God's purpose, even though he is in prison with stripes on his back. What is it about a man who is not going back, who had opportunity to go back, but he did not, who does not look for an easier way, who does not whine and cry about how life how difficult life was or how hard it was. What is it about a man who has such a resiliency of soul that it could not reach the inner man? What is it? What could it be that would make him not hard and envious and cynical about life and others, but joyous and rejoicing as he goes along? He doesn't say foolish things like sometimes we do. Well, I'm better when I'm without, and we name what we were better without. I could live for God if it wasn't for. Paul said, it doesn't matter what is for me or what is against me as far as life is concerned. I've been initiated into a higher dimension of understanding and knowledge. And this dimension is what has made the difference in my life. And it's what has it's transformed my troubles and my pain and my suffering and my gains and my losses. It has transformed all of them into an orchestrated plan that God is working his will out for my life. Yeah. Amen. Now, when you read these words, you've got to understand that Paul was not a fatalist with a theory of life, but he was a a realist with an experience in life. And he had been initiated into the secret for all sorts and conditions in life. He had lived under all kind of conditions, and he was divulging a much-needed secret. I have learned this secret So that anywhere, I love the terminology of the scripture, at any time, anywhere, that's a powerful statement. That a man could live life and he could come to the place where he could say, it doesn't matter where I am and it doesn't matter what I'm going through and it doesn't matter what time He said, I have learned to be content. I've learned to be content. I've learned how to be content and satisfied with what God has provided and made a way for in my life. I have learned the secret of facing every situation. I am ready for anything. You know what? I don't know that I can say that, but I need to be able to say that. That I am ready for any situation. I am ready and equal to anything that can come into my life. I am not intimidated by what is happening to me or around me. I am more inspired by what is in me. Amen. I love the fact that he addresses Any and all things. That's a pretty large field, folks. Any. Does anybody know what that word? 
entails any and all things. So any and all things that I encounter in my life, I just want you to know that I have been initiated. I have gone through the school and I've learned something, but I've been able to translate what I've learned into my everyday living. And in that rite of passage, I have discovered a secret that will transform your trouble. It will transform your prosperity. It will transform everything that's happening in your life. Amen. It's the secret to being content whether full or empty. Now, listen to me. Most all of us can be pretty happy when we're fed and we're full. How many of us start griping when we're hungry? Come on, folks. It's just us tonight. Nobody's, nobody's going to keep score. It's not hard to praise God when the bank account's really full. It's a whole another story to come in here with a smile on your face and rejoicing in your heart and spirit when you know that there's more bills than money. But Paul said, I've learned whether I am abased Or whether I am exalted. I've learned whether in prosperity or poverty. That's quite a revelation folks. Because if we could learn that. We could turn the hour in which we live on its ear. And turn it upside down. And fill the world with a gospel that can really change it and transform it. If we can learn to live out the faith that we say we believe. Amen. I want to share a life lesson. How to be satisfied with what you have. How to be content with what life brings you. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to prosper. I know what it is to have more than enough and overflow. And also know how to to find my place in God. I have been trained in the secret of overcoming. And I'm going to hurry to my points. The secret to this hour. Number one. Don't ever trust your feelings. Trust your faith. Because your feelings will convince you you're no match for what you're up against now. You'll never make it through this. You'll never overcome this. You'll never defeat this. And your feelings can convince you that you're a failure. Tell me I'm not saying the truth right now. Our feelings have lied to us more times than they have told us the truth. And the fact is, it really doesn't matter what my feelings are saying. What does my faith say? And the trouble with a lot of people that have been in church for a long time, they have lost their faith language. They have lost their ability to speak in faith what God has spoken into their spirit and given them through the word. We need to go back and we need to start practicing 
our faith language that I am more than a conqueror through him that strengthened me. I am able, I am able, I am able, I am sufficient. God has made me for this hour. Amen. Don't trust your feelings, but you can depend on your faith. Your feelings will, they will leave you on the side of the road, but faith will carry you through. So what is it that you believe? I believe that he is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above, all, 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 all that you could ask or think. There Paul is using that word again, all. He said, all things work together for the good. All things. All things. Some of us need to get our faith language back. We got the talking in tongues back. But we've lost our faith language. We've lost our faith tongue. And the reason I know that is because I've heard people talk in tongue and then somebody asks them how they're doing and they start on this negative diatribe about how bad things are in their life. The Lord didn't say when the Son of Man cometh will he find tongues in the earth. He said when the Son of Man cometh will he find tongues. Faith in the earth. I have learned this, that you can talk in tongues and be void of any faith. And what the scripture is trying to help me understand is that if you're going to make it in this hour, it's not going to be because of what you talk in tongues over. It's going to be because of what you believe. And this is what I know. I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced. I am instructed. I am educated. I have been initiated to know that the good work that God has started in me, he will finish it. He's not going to leave it abandoned on the side of the road and say, I'm sorry, that was a bad experiment. God's going to stay there until the work is finished. Let me hurry on. Number two, you and I need to learn how to keep things in their proper place. Now, we are intoxicated in this world by things. The more things we have, the better we feel about ourselves. The more things we accomplish, the better we feel about where we are and who we are. Things have made such an impact on our lives that if we don't have certain things, we can be hard to live with. Amen. I'm not meddling tonight and I'm not beating the bush or beating around the bush. I'm going to hit the bush tonight. Things, 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 things. We judge our spiritual worth. We judge where we are and what we have by things, things that are temporary, 
things that are transient. You know, I had a revelation the other day. I was doing a funeral at the graveyard, at the graveside, and I watched as another procession was coming through. And there was this long, long line of vehicles following the hearse. But there was one vehicle I didn't see among all of those vehicles. I didn't see a Brinks truck (laughs) carrying all their stuff with them. He said, naked came I into the world and that's exactly how I'm going to leave. I'm not going to get to take any of this stuff with me. So why is this stuff having such an impact on whether we feel accepted or beloved or whether we qualify or we don't qualify or whether we merit or we don't merit? Why is it that we allow things to have such an impact on us that we become blinded by things and the more things we have, the better we feel about ourselves? Paul said, I've had things. But things have never had me. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference between having, I don't believe God has a problem with you being rich. I don't believe God has a problem with you being successful or prospering. I think God has a problem when that possesses you, when that owns you. Amen. And so we go on. Poverty cannot make me feel less of a child of God. Did you hear me? Poverty cannot make me feel less of a child of God and neither can riches make me feel more qualified to be a child of God. We need to learn in whatsoever state we are to be content. Outward things do not lose their reality. We're all affected by them. But they must lose their supremacy in our life. Folks, I love things. I'm going to be honest with you. You love things. You drive things. You wear things. You have things. Because we love things. But what Paul is saying is that you can never allow what you have to have you. You cannot allow things to become the supreme Thing and object in your life, you must remember that those are all going to vanish with a fervent heat. And what's going to be left of my life when they're all gone? If my sense of well-being or my sense of belonging or my identity is wrapped up in what I have and all of it's gone, how is that going to leave me? Paul said, it doesn't matter. If I have everything... If I have nothing. Now some people say, well, Paul was just a single man that never got married. And it's easy for a single man that never been married to say things like that. I beg your pardon. I think he discovered something that was more important than things. And you and I need to discover that in this hour. He had found a new standard of reckoning in his life. And that standard was a rule that eliminated jealousy from his life. It eliminated envy from his life. It eliminated competitiveness from his life. You see, things are what do that to us. 
things are what make me feel like I'm a little better than you and that God ought to be paying more attention to me because I've accumulated more stuff. And Paul said, hey, I've got news for you. I have discovered a secret. I have been initiated into a life where knowledge goes to a higher dimension. And I think it would do us all good to have knowledge that moves us to a higher dimension so that things lose their hold. Number three, we have to remember that the secret to all of this is not in me. It's in Him. I know that's probably difficult for some of us to swallow because we think we have it. We think we're it. As a matter of fact, God ought to be Proud that I'm even here tonight. God ought to be thankful that I serve him. Man. It is in him that we move and have our being. You need to go get your Bible and go study the many times that he uses the statement in him or in Christ. That is the real transforming power of my life. It's not what I have the ability to do. It's what I am in. It's what has become the absorbing things of my life. I am in Christ. And because I am in Him, I have all of the resources I need. And this is the tragedy. I've lived for God a many a year. And I've been in this all of my life. And I have to admit to you tonight that there have been a lot of people that have been around a church a long time that never have found out what is in them. Neither they have not found out what they are in. And then I'm going to close. It's about who I am, not what I'm going through, that I need to be mindful of. And if we ever forget that, It is the Christ mind that comes to bear on all of the experiences of life that will change my situation. And I think what Paul was trying to say to us is that it is what is in you that beats what is against you. And this is what I love about Paul. He was so certain about some things. And I love how he said it. I can do all things. I think that the church needs to get back the can-do attitude. Amen. I can do this. We can accomplish this. No, I might or no, I hope or no, I guess but I know in whom I have believed and I know in whom I have trusted and I know in whom I served and I know him to be faithful to his word. Amen. You know what you and I need to do? We need to stop believing the lies that number one, the world is telling us. But more importantly, we need to stop believing the lies that our own flesh is telling us. You don't need a devil to really be bad. You can do that all by yourself. And how many times have we allowed ourselves to be beaten down because 
of what we've been listening to ourselves tell us. You are no good. You're a failure. You're a loser. And, and we allow those things to come in and we absorb them. Stop believing those lies. That's not what God says about you. That's not what God believes about you and I. That's not how he feels about us. If you want to know how he feels about you, read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. If you really want to know how God feels about you, go through the word of God and notice all of the things that God did for you and I. Not because we deserve it, but because of his grace. How many times in scripture does the Bible say that he does things for his name's sake? I have news for you, all you really spiritual people here tonight. And I'm not making fun of that. I'm not making lie of that. But you can get as close to God as you can get. But in the end, you're going to be saved, not because of all you've done. You're going to be saved because of his name's sake. He said, I have put my name on that. I have declared that to be true by my name. And I am going to keep that because of my name. I'm going to keep you because of my name. I'm going to keep you because you bear my name on your life. Clap your hands and give the Lord praise and stand. Come on, stand with me if you will. Amen. You were made for this hour. I was made for this hour. And we need to stop listening to the whisperer. We need a change of mindset concerning the things that we are living through at this time. What we say to life is more important than what life is saying to us. Amen. What shall I say to these things? Jesus said. Where did he say that? He said that in the garden of Gethsemane. When he saw what was coming down the road. The denial, the betrayal, the beating, the rejection, the hatred, the venom that would be spewed out of the lives of men and then those that he had poured himself into for three and a half years the Bible would record at one point they all forsook him and fled but he said for this hour have I come what shall I say to these things what am I going to say to all that's happening in life if God be for me Who can be against me? Amen. If God is on my side, I am going to make it. If God is with me, I will go through. When you learn this secret, it will affect the way you talk. Amen. It will affect your conversation. It will, you'll, you'll start saying, oh, 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 don't start spreading that stuff around me. I have a different opinion about things than that. You know, it'd be great every once in a while when you hear something negative about your church or about somebody in the church. You say, oh, 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 I I don't need to hear that. I, I don't even want to hear that. I have better confidence in my church than that. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Out of believing a lie that we have been told, we have bought into a lifestyle.
that will turn us into pessimists and hurt our life. But Paul said, I have been through some things and what I have been through has initiated me. You know what I'm praying? And I, I, I want to be careful about what, how I say this because you, you know when you ask God for something, you better get ready. Amen. I said you better get ready. You ask God to do something. But this is what I'm asking God. God help me to become more aware of what is for us in this hour than what is against us. Help me, God, to become more aware that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Help me to become more aware that if God be for me, who can be against me? Help me to become more aware that all things work together for the good to them who are the call according to his purpose. Come on, God help me understand that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you're going to lift up a standard against him. You're going to say, oh, no, 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 no. That's my property. Amen. A secret to this hour, it's really not a secret. It's just allowing that knowledge that you have to be transformed into a higher purpose in your life so that it's more than just what you know, it's what you do. And when you get to that level, it will affect what you talk about. It will affect what you allow others to talk about around you. Amen. I am always, Paul said, bearing about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? That his life may be manifest also in my mortal flesh. He said, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He said, always rejoicing, always praying, giving thanks unto God, always for all things. This is the effect that having knowledge elevated to a higher level in my life has upon my life. He has a new view of life. He has a new perspective. He has a new attitude, a new confidence. In the face of unspeakable opposition, Paul can say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can live through anything. I need you to say that with me. I can live through anything. Say it again. I can live through anything. I can live through anything. Amen. I can. I can. I can. I can. Amen. Oh God, help us tonight to discover this transforming truth, this life-changing truth that God has given all of us access to. It's taking what you know and allowing it to become fleshed out in your everyday life. Amen. Father, we love you tonight. I know I've not done an adequate job. I pray that somehow you have intercepted my words and with your anointing have transformed them into the word that is needed for some weary 
soul tonight, some person in this building that's struggling with the sense of inadequacy and the sense of failure and frustration and the anxiety and the stress that life has brought up on them, that they would be able to translate what they know into a lifestyle of trust and faith and confidence that would turn their world upside down. God, I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to touch my mind and my spirit. Help it to become more than just head knowledge. Let it become shoe leather. Let it become the very fabric of my everyday life. I pray, God, that if you will do this, we will certainly give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now? Amen, 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 amen. I leave you with this question. Is this secret? that Paul had found discoverable to you and I. And I say, yes, it is. It is within my reach. It's within your reach. It's when we take what we know and we start living it on a daily basis. Amen. God bless you tonight. Turn to somebody and say, I have found a secret. Amen. I have found a secret. I have discovered the key to overcoming. Amen. God bless you tonight.